I got dragged along one weekend at Jolly Rogers. I remember it. I rolled up the exit ramp coming down, went backwards around the track, had no idea what I was doing. I was just a little kid. They flipped me around. I got dead last. And uh, Bruce gave me a trophy because I was the only kid that didn't get one. And, uh, dude, I fell in love with it. I, I used to ride up and down my driveway in New Hampshire every single day. And that's how I started. Episode 37, Tank Slap Podcast. Doing something a little different this week. Our man, Sneaky Sam, sneaked off the pod for the week. He's getting a... A cavity or root canal i think it's a root canal but filling in is my man chris carter hey dude carter filling in man what's going on dude you know it's kind of a it was only a matter of time like you had to sit one out i had to sit one out and now sammy so he, he he's got his free pass so we've all used our free pass but uh yeah man always always happy to fill in i cannot ever fill sammy's shoes for sure i can jump Technically, in and talk. you definitely can't fill his shoes in his little <laughs> ass probably got size four <laughs> shoes but big fill-in job yeah. uh, on the pod and with sammy's teeth i guess root canal, root canal big so. root canal today uh, i guess but yeah, yeah that it, sucks it may be a, um, maybe a little uncomfortable for me filling in but it's no, nothing in comparison to the uncomfortableness he's feeling right now at the oh uh, dude that does not sound like <laughs> something i want to get invested in root canal but uh anyway here we are episode 37 back at it a little bit later this week we had a big wedding that uh kind of took us took us a little bit into a uh, relax mode early in the week wasn't really feeling uh, <laughs> uh any pod action but um yeah our guest actually for for the show today is uh james Rispoli, man what are your thoughts on that, Hog Spoli? I've been wanting this one all year while you guys were battling it out, but uh, I think it's best to wait to the end of the year and see where you know where it fell. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if you were uh, you kind of just wanted to get through the year or what, but uh, I think it is. It, it'll be great to hear from you guys. But you know, you were number one. He is the new number one, and you're gonna go one on one. He for will interview. be the number one. I still uh, got it to right. the end of the year. You're right. You're right. <laughs> okay. Don't take that from I'm me. I'm not yet. trying to. Right. No way. Yeah, he's been on our list for months now and yeah. i just uh man it's hard to it would have been hard to bring him on during the season i, I didn't know if i if i would like him by the end of the year but <laughs> i still love the guy man yeah. he took away the plate but he earned it as i've said multiple times and it'll be fun to kind of bullshit a little bit about the season we've i've gotten to talk to him quite a bit at the banquet after the year and uh also this past weekend at Brian Chana's wedding so um yeah Hawks Bully I'm excited to uh chat with him um want to make sure we thank our sponsors and make this show happen week in and week out Bell Power Sports check out bellhelmets.com to view their full line of products the quality and safety is unmatched if you start tank slapping you want to be protected by Bell Shout out Jerry Stinchfield, Roof Systems of Dallas Texas commercial and industrial roofing company with nearly 40 years of experience commercialroofsystems.net Jerry keeps his sport going, so uh, he keeps his podcast going, too. So we want to thank him. And also shout out Dunlop Tire. They are the official tire of the American Flat Track Series with their new and improved DT4 Flat Track Tire. Dunlop has two compound fronts and three compound rear flat track tires available. To find your nearest dealer, visit DunlopMotorcycleTires.com. Hit them up on social media. Tell them the boys from Tank Slap and sent you. So uh not a lot of news carter this week we're kind of just wrapping things up here with the season but what anything you've seen on your radar no it's usually pretty quiet you know the first couple weeks after the uh season wraps up you know everybody's kind of taking a breather uh taking a breath relaxing a little bit trying to uh recover from the uh 
craziness of the of the last few weeks towards the end of the year. But uh, I haven't seen much, man, aside from the crazy, uh, the little wedding that might have happened last weekend that, that you definitely got to fill us in on. Yeah, it was just a good time. Cool Beth, Jared Meese, Jake Johnson, Rispoli, uh, Max <laughs> Whale. Oh, man. It I'm trying insane, to think. It was dude. loaded with people, man. It was No crazy was stories from the wedding? Nothing to share? Nothing funny that happened that you didn't expect to happen? Like, come on, fill us in. We all we weren't there, so we want to know. I don't know, man. My yeah. wife actually was drinking a little bit. What? Amber, she doesn't typically drink. <laughs> so she was getting loose. And uh, I was on kind of on babysitting duty for a lot of the wedding. <laughs> so I was kind of watching crews while Amber was letting her hair down a little bit. But, well, speaking uh, speaking of letting your hair down, the one thing that I was most disappointed was I see crew pictures of crews and he had like a normal haircut. What's up with that, dude? They didn't oh, keep the mullet? <laughs> Operation Mullet didn't go over so well. I, um, for those that don't know, I got to I got the keys to take Cruz to get a haircut last week. First mistake. And, yeah, yeah. First mistake on their part. And we go up to the hair. We go up to the barber shop, and Jenny's our barber. It's a it's a female barber. She's one of the best in the city. I'm like, hey, I'm going to give Cruz a mullet, and uh, she's like, are you sure everybody's going to be down for that? I'm like, I don't care. That's this is dad dad shit, man. So gave him a mullet, brought him home. Uh, everyone lost their shit. No, Apparently, having a mullet for wedding photos is not is not ideal in our family. So yeah. the, the night before the wedding, I thought we were in the clear because we were going to get a cut on like Friday, and then I dodged the bullet. And she's like, kind of. I thought we were going to let him have it, and then the night before the wedding at like 9 p.m., somebody rolled up at the uh, the pre party and they chopped it. They chopped oh, his mullet off. Man. So. Well, the response on social was pretty strong. People seem That's what to, I told my wife. I'm like, everybody loves to like it. it. They seem to like it. Facebook loves it. Little Rusty Rod. What did Cruz think about it? Did he like it? He didn't. Oh, care. he loves it. Yeah. You ask him what kind of haircut he got, he goes, a mullet. <laughs> <laughs> That's bad. Yeah. So anyway, that was that was the big fun news of the week. Briar and Shannon getting married. They announced a new CCO, Carter, the yeah. chief competition officer. Kevin Crowler is uh, taking over Joey Mancari's job. Uh, I don't know much about Kevin. I, I know the name. He's a decade-long member of the FIM, so uh, that's you know MotoGP, MXGP. He's done a lot of events here in America for that for those series. He's got a you know motorcycle racing background, so that that'll be cool. And um, yeah, interesting to see. I'm interested to talk to uh, Kevin and meet him and save opinions till I meet the guy. <laughs> well, you have. I mean, it was, you have a lot more experience of people coming in and kind of their impact on the sport. But, you know, my short time, I can, I've seen a few come through, right? Car and, um, and, and, and men carry. And, and it does, it, it, whether, you know, it's not sweeping changes, but it does impact, you know, the sport, um, and, and competition level of competition sometimes when, when you get a new fresh body in there with new perspective and new, you know, new experiences. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see how much power he, he's allowed to have. I, sometimes yep. I feel like, you know, the power comes from the top and these guys can only do so much. And they're sort of just a transitional person from the riders to, you know, the people at the top. So it'd be interesting to see what he brings to the table and if, uh, you know, what we're allowed to do. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot to it. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out, but I'm interested in meeting him, um, officially, like I said, I've, I've known the name and, uh, it'd be cool to, it'd be cool to meet him. So that was kind of big news they announced. And then one other thing I want to talk about before we call Rispoli is uh, Motor, Motor America Series. They've been a sponsor of our podcast for uh, most of the year, actually. And they just wrapped up their season 
And I don't know if you saw Carter, but they had a bagger class at Laguna Seca. I saw that, dude. I saw. Cli- I didn't watch any of the coverage, but I've seen clips on social, and it looks pretty damn intense. Frankie Garcia ripping around. Frankie, Gar- Frankie Garcia, Ben Bostrom. Yeah. We had uh, Tr- uh, Hayden Gillum, Tyler Hare, Corey West, Josh Heron. It was a stacked class, and I loved it. I found myself looking up the bagger results more than I've ever looked up any superbike or super sport results. I'd never I'm seen not... anything like it. That's something they've done in the past, obviously, and, and done for no, years. No, first time. Oh, it's really? The first time they've ever done it, yep. Oh, shit. And okay. uh, Tyler O'Hara won on like a factory Indian-based bagger. Oh, wow. With, uh, Dave Zanotti was there working on the bike, what? and that was kind of cool. And then... Hayden Gillum was uh, Vanton Hines. It was yeah. pretty much Indian versus Harley, but baggers. That's crazy, <laughs> so, dude. That's insane. It was awesome. That's yeah, good it was stuff. so cool. Hell yeah. Um, so that was interesting. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about is um, Cam Bobier wrapped the season up with three more wins. He won the championship, and he's actually going to the Moto 2 series over, over the pond with the American Racing Series. That's kind of uh, who Joe Roberts rode for this past year. Joe Roberts is moving on to a different team, and Cambobier going to Moto2, and I think that gives them um, USA a real shot, the first real shot in a long time. Uh, well, that's not fair. Joe Roberts had a really good year, but Cam is is no joke, and I think he's got a really good shot at getting to that MotoGP level along with Joe Roberts and um, giving Americans a really a real good shot to uh, battle for ch- wins and championships at that level. That'd be really cool. Always good to see uh, one of ours going over and competing at a level that's. Uh you know, on par with uh, the best in the world. So good to see, good to see that and look forward to seeing how that pans out. Yep. That'll be interesting. And I think that's about all we got for our intro. Uh, we got a lot of stuff saved here for Rispoli. So let's, uh, let's give Hawks Bowley a call. I, he's overseas right now. So we'll get some insight on that. Let's, uh, let's dial the dude up, man. Let's give him a call. You got it. Yo, what's going on? What's up, big dog? Just chilling, dude. Chilling in this little bungalow in Netherlands. <laughs> well, got you on the podcast, man. It's been long overdue, but we had to wait it out. We had to play it out to the end of the year. And uh, yeah, wanted to uh, get you on the podcast. Chris Carter is here with me, kind of going to do a little bit of co-hosting in between his work stuff. But um, what's good over there, man? What are you doing in Amsterdam? Listen, dude, I flew over here uh, yesterday, two days ago, trying to get through. You know, going in on a uh, like a sweetheart visa to see my girlfriend, but it was kind of stressful because it's a uh, it's kind of like not really a visa, but it's a visa. So like you go in with like paperwork, but it's kind of like, hey, if they deem that you've been in a longer long term relationship, you can get through the door. If you can't, you're going home. So I was like panicking pretty bad, but it it was easy. I walked right through. I think it was uh, not a big deal. And as you know, in Europe, it's raining. It's cloudy. (laughs) It's so pouring here too. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, coming home to coming home to see the girl man as a champion. What'd she have to say about that? No, she's pumped, dude. She's been patient. You know, like I think we counted it was like three hundred and seven days. So you guys could imagine what that's been like. Yeah. testosterone build up dude. (laughs) (laughs) I love it, man. I uh dude, there's a lot to talk about. Um I don't even know how to get started on this interview, but um, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about your amateur career and and how you got started and things like that, just so the people that don't know you, they get a background on it. But yeah, James Raspoli, New England kid, flat track, 
road raced a little bit. Your dad, you know, he started the Cool Skunk Racing Team. There's a lot to talk about there. But basically, how did your amateur career start in, like, flat track? So you went all the way back to, like, 50s? Oh, quick shit, little, man. Yeah, give us a little. Synops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's play it out for all us. Right. All right, real quick. So pretty much I used to just go, my dad was, like, kind of a, like a gearhead growing up, you know, long ponytail. He grew up in Brooklyn, New York. But him and his dad always loved riding and whatnot. Couldn't really do a lot of that in Brooklyn. But anyways, they ended up getting it done. My dad then uh, told me or got me a JR50. My brother was riding an XR80, and we used to go out to these, like, old quarries, like, where there'd be developments and things like that. And we should just go ride around. Me and my brother, there's a picture of me and my brother. I'm on a JR. I got one of those old helmets with the, with the you know, open face with the goggles, like, the old goggles, like, you'd ride <laughs> on a. <laughs> and, um, yeah, dude. And then my buddy that lived right across the street from me, Brent Lascaux, you know, you probably know him from amateur. Oh, oh yeah, yep. Yeah. So his dad and my dad were like, started this, like got, they were yellow. We were red. They got Rotax 600s and they were weekend warriors. I got dragged along one week in a Jolly Rogers. I remember it. I rolled up the exit ramp coming down, went backwards around the track, had no idea what I was doing. I was just a little kid. They flipped me around. I got dead last. And uh, Bruce gave me a trophy because I was the only kid that didn't get one. And, uh, dude, I fell in love with it. I, I used to ride up and down my driveway in New Hampshire every single day. And that's how I started. Then I had a, you know, a very long 50 career. I had a JR 50 and then a Z 50. Um, first time on a Z 50, just gave her a big stick of gas, grabbed the upshift, looped it out. Nice. And then, <laughs> and then I had a Lem 50 and then I had a Polini 50. Yeah. I had a, I had a massive 50 career. I didn't jump Jeez. onto a sixty. Yeah, I didn't jump onto a sixty-five until I was like eleven years old, and then um, I ended up winning my first sixty-five race. Actually, it was kind of like we did a couple practice days, and then we went to Bangor, Maine. Shane Narbon and Troy Estabrook were there. I ended up winning it on a half mile, and that's kind of like how I started. I wasn't good until I got on a sixty-five. Like I was okay, but I used to get beat a lot. Then I got on a sixty-five and. I just started, it kind of clicked a little bit more, and then I, that's where it was like, oh, maybe I can actually do something in the sport. And then, you know, dude, we, we had – it was crazy. We used to go to amateur nationals. The East Coast stuff was always like Shane Narbonne, and then we'd go down to PA and then ride against you, Brandon Robinson, Johnny Lewis, yourself, Shana, um, Austin Greenland, Brad Baker from out west, Chad Coase, and it, that's, it, it spiraled into that. And we started going to amateur nationals and then 60s, 80s, and so on. I love hearing all the different rider stories of how they come up, how they got into it, right? There's a lot of similarities and, and, and you know, just as many similarities, sometimes there's just little, those little little differences that kind of make uh, the rider end up being uh, who they are today, which is kind of cool, dude. You mentioned a lot of the people you came up racing with. Uh, who would you say your your stiffest competition coming up? Who were you battling like week in and week out? Um, and, and who did you like racing with and who did, who did you struggle racing with or were, were worried about racing with sometimes? So it was tough for amateurs because we always have like a Brandon or, uh, you know, um, Johnny was like two steps ahead, but sometimes it would, they'd overlap. If you came in, they would just be on their way out. So like Brandon was always strong. Chad was always strong. Stevie Bonzi was kind of in and around there at some point. But, you know, the person I've always raced against would be Brad Baker, Austin Greenland, uh, Shana Texter, 
those are like the constant. Every time we moved up, they moved up. We were always, and I think probably the biggest rival I had at the time was Brad Baker because it always seemed like when he would go, I would go, and it was like we always ended up meeting in the races. We're always there, but it's hard to just pick out one guy because our we our careers, like you know, most of us always traveled to the same races unless you're West Coast. You know, then it was like, but all the New England people or uh, Northeast, whatever, like we would always go to Pennsylvania and try to learn how to ride grooves because we would get absolutely smoked on anything short track and groove. And then we'd go to Circleville in Ohio to try to learn how to ride cushions. And I guess maybe our my specialty was more cushions back then, not anything else. I was going to say, like, you talk about Brad being your big, biggest rival, but Back in the mini bike days, every mini bike rider had like their own track they were good on. And you kind of talk about being the cushion half mile guy, and I would agree with that. But then you have Brad, who is a short track and TT guy. So, like, you guys are always battling, but you have the upper hand on the half miles and the miles where Brad had the upper hand on like the TTs and the short tracks. And it's kind of funny, your first pro win later down the road was actually a short, short track, right? Like, I don't know. It's kind of funny how it all works. Yeah, definitely, dude. And that day was kind of crazy. The my first uh, pro win, but you like just what you said though is like exactly. It was like who learned the better the other side better would win nationals. But I got I was fortunate growing up that they always had two half miles, so I would always kind of come out like on a sixties. I used to win because the two half miles pulled me out of my absolutely disgraced TT that I get dead last in. <laughs> waddling around can't go can't go right to save my life i don't think i've ever practiced going right until amateur nationals <laughs> like so i think the only time i go right was exiting out of my pit to go get on the track love it that's awesome what's this front break <laughs> dude seriously dude, i used to crash so many one of the so things much. one of the things that i like most about flat trackers is the drive no matter what rider you're talking about where they came from you know what what their story is the drive is insane man and everybody's got a different reason or you know where their drive comes from uh and it may have evolved through their career right um where 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 was your drive from in the beginning and is it is it the same today or has it evolved and changed over over the years so like growing up, I always said that I never wanted a backup plan, that I had one A plan I used to get like laughed at in my principal's office. I'm sure most of the kids always did. You know, I wasn't a, a real jock, so I didn't really kind of fit in school. Um, and I would say that, uh, you know, like, so you weren't uh, a jock, bro. <laughs> no, dude, like, I, I was not, I was, I used to play hockey and all the stuff, but I was not like a high school jock. You know what I mean? I didn't play football. I wasn't big. I was like, I tried Average. wrestling for like, yeah, dude, I tried wrestling for like a small period of time. And then, but like, dude, like I always, I had, um, I always just wanted to race a motorcycle. I knew from the day like I wrote, raced, I was like, this is what I want to do and make money from it. And uh, it was never about the money. It still isn't about the money, but like I never had a backup plan. And my dad always laughs because he's like, dude, you're like 29 years old and you've never actually had a real job. Like I've done stuff. You've never had a real job. And you still are just couch surfing on people's couches. Like how is this even possible? Real so, jobs are overrated, you know, bro. Dude, for sure. Now that I now that I'm 29, I understand that. <laughs> I'm like trying to save it, <laughs> but dude, it's uh, I gotta say, like 
Yeah, I think the drive, like, eventually it came into, like, I wanted to go road racing. You know, the, the uh, Hayden, uh, Nikki Hayden, uh, Ben Spees, you know, like, I, I love that they went dirt track into road racing. I saw that Ben went into World Superbike, you know, because I was always, like, a late bloomer, I guess you could say. I was always, like, one down. I never went up. Like, I was never pro at 16. I was never, like the first on the 250. I was never the first on 450s. I was never the first in 600s or super sport or super bike. I was always like one year late and that whatever, for whatever reason, you know, um, I think it helped me a lot, but I was just always kind of a late bloomer. So I never like, I had my moto two, you know, chance, whatever. And, you know, but I always thought I was wanted to go world Superbike. That was kind of like my realistic goal was try to get to an international level. And like Ben Spees did it like the right way, go up AMA into world Superbike, And that's kind of, you do it. And to answer your final question, has a drive changed? It's just adjusted, you know, like, cause as I get older and have to actually have responsibility with, you know, money and bills to make this phone call, you know, I realized that I need some money <laughs> and, um, unfortunately it kind of ruins it. But the best thing that ever happened to me was going broke, you know, it kind of rekindled all the burn that I lost kind of in Europe. And, uh, yeah, I think you gotta you gotta learn that stuff. Yeah, you've always been really good at branding yourself and your dad. You know, you guys had the Cool Skunk Race team, and you always heard about James Raspoli. Even when I started, it was just you were a real popular name in the amateur ranks. And dare I say, um, you know, Earl Hayden ish. You know, your dad kind of you know reminds me of Earl Hayden and how much he he pushed his kid. You know, the brand and um, and that's obviously important and. I kind of wanted to transition into, um, you know, I had a really cool sponsorship a few years ago. It's called Sour Punch, you know, the, the, the candy or whatnot. And everyone talks about how that was one of the coolest sponsorships in flat track. But I think you top it with your sponsorship you had as a basic expert rider in 2009. <laughs> um, do you want to tell the fans who, who what your sponsorship was? And kind of, I'm interested in how, that, was, how that came about. I wasn't around for it. I can't wait to hear what this is about. Uh, Bravo condoms. <laughs> is that the one you're talking Bravo about? Bravo condoms. No baby. way. Are you serious? Yup. Yeah, he'd hand condoms out at the races, dude. What? Dude. <laughs> that talk about be, it. Yeah, no, that has to be one of the le most legendary sponsors uh, that I've ever had. I will say your sour pouch one could top it because it was the most outside the industry one and the most relatable to kids and everything and like. Dude, we always ate that stuff. It's, it's so cool that, like, you know, you had a sponsor that you go into a movie theater and you're buying that. Like, that's yeah, pretty yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, kind so, but dude, it's awesome. <laughs> so crazy. Like you said, like, you know, we're always about branding. You know, I don't think I would have a name. I wouldn't have a name. Let's just say this. I wouldn't have James the Rocket or all these kind of names, whatever. You know, this Google, you know, things without the big fill crazy you know uh, race report at the end of the weekend you know he really kind of <laughs> set me up for that he pushed the branding and i just to touch on your thing yeah i think it's it's you say you know more popular name i might say more hated name because big phil never <laughs> lifted the gas on my name so i don't know if people liked me or hated me on the flat track forum <laughs> but w with that obviously i picked up a lot you know from my dad and learning marketing and things like that and uh you know, we were always looking for the next thing. I had a Motion Pro helmet. I had a K&N helmet. Always really, really cool, uh, you know, designs. And I always, my biggest thing was, you know, to be different. You know, one of my huge idols is Valentino Rossi. Like, you know, everybody says that, but I really loved it because of the style. I love the bright colors. You know, you know me. I'm like a flamboyant guy. Like, I'm, I just, 
you know, I'm kind of like, you can't like put, I'm not like one thing or another. I'm just kind of like a chameleon that just like, I kind of like to adapt to situations to not like, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I like the colors. I like to kind of be different in a way. And that I met the guy, Anthony Mazzato, Mazzana, or I can't remember his last name. Anyways, uh, I met him and I was like, dude, because his helmets were awesome. He was a super bike rider. He started the company and I don't know where he was funding and what was going on, but I'm like, dude, this is awesome. I emailed them and they just came back and he's like, yeah, dude, what's going on? And I was like, no way. Cause I was like a kid at the time, you know, I didn't really know. <laughs> I, my dad used to kind of really help me with all the big sponsors, you know, like motion pro and whatnot to get real deals. And I just, I just threw one out there. Hey, I'm genius, blah, blah, blah. You know, I race, whatever pro <laughs> I'm going pro, you know, I'd love it. And anyways, he's like, yeah, man, you go send us a couple helmets. We'll get some stuff painted up. There was no money involved. And he goes, we'll send you a couple boxes of, of condoms. And I was like, rad i'm 18 this is awesome like <laughs> dude this is like this is the best thing ever and the helmets were the sickest i had you know the first you know right after rossi did like his neon yellow we had neon yellow light baby blues and then i had that pink that like uh greased uh flaked out pink bravo the aprilia helmet man dude yep and then dude it was like the next thing you know a box of 48 and in 48 was like these boxes of like 24 so i had 48 times 24 freaking condoms and um, <laughs> my dad's like what the heck is going on and i'm like dude i didn't even realize this was gonna be legit but here we are dude. and i remember all my friends were like in school like dude hook me up man like hook me up. i got you i got so, you man and i think it was for the uh the, i think the tagline was this uh for this bravo condoms for the sexually athletic <laughs> that's so, so amazing man. Did, did they that's cover so your awesome. tires for the year that seems to make sense like cover your rubbers for the year too. Tire bill. dude honestly the only thing was the cool helmets i i sold them on the cool helmets i mean you know air tricks he's not the, he's not cheap like if you were going to get a helmet from him, it's expensive unless you got monster rebel or whatever behind you so for him to kind of just put the helmets together for me it got me into being like oh he's got a real sponsor so then when i could go to sponsors i'm like yeah i would know they're giving me it's five it's ten grand or whatever it's 200 bucks it doesn't matter i was able to just sell it and that's kind of what started me in to keep being different and you know like you said like people looked at it and were like some people hated it like what is he doing supporting and i'm like well at the end of the day it's not the worst thing to support you know like if you don't want to have a baby it's probably the best thing <laughs> Dude, if you could have set up next to me, like if our sponsorships would have came on the same years, we could have did candy and condoms in <laughs> one location. <laughs> Can you imagine? That's like you, you get some, you get some candy, and then you get some condoms, dude, and then you hopefully don't go home in a racer's van. I mean, that's not how it works. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Um, yeah, I just wanted to talk about that. I was sitting here doing notes and I thought about that. I was like, dude, that was, that was awesome. That, we we that need to bring it back, dude. I'll, I'll make a video. If you want to pitch it again, Rispoli, I'll make you a video. <laughs> I don't even know what's around anymore, dude. I don't, <laughs> I have no idea. I think we'll go maybe, for Trojans. I know a couple, a couple, yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, man. I love it. Um, well, we want to talk about, obviously, this year. Um, a lot to talk about, but, yeah, last year you started riding the Harley. You know, you had we, – we've heard these interviews quite a bit with you, but, you know, you rode the Harley, gained some confidence, and then this year you teamed up with latest Joe Cop. Going into the year, where was your confidence level at prior to – Prior to Daytona, we'll say, um, you know, obviously teamed up with Joe and Latest, and you, you know, you knew they were a good team, and the bike was good. You were familiar with the bike. <laughs> Where was your confidence level at going into it? Yeah, man, I think you know, riding the Harley uh, last year, or whatever, and then getting to be able to, you know, test the Harley again with Latest. They bought two off the showroom. We were the first two bikes out of the grid, so or out of Vance and Hines, and they were a little different than last year. Obviously, last year was kind of a uh, from one step, like uh, a spawn of mixture between a super twin and a production twin, because they didn't have like a, they didn't have a production bike. You know, all they had was the bikes they built previously, and then the new bikes. So it was kind of just like to get it legal for the class, and then it was like, okay, here's what we have. So for me, it was pretty cool to kind of get on this bike, but it was like dumbed down electronics. You know, like the barbacks are way different. The handlebars are huge for, you know, so they had to chop everything down. They had to do, we had to do a lot of kind of work on the motorcycle just to kind of get it back familiar. You know, it was like, we didn't know what suspension we had in there. We didn't know like anything that we had. It was just kind of a, a more or less stock motorcycle, even though it was my previous bike, but it wasn't like the bike that I left the last race at, if you know what I mean. So there was a lot of work, you know, working with, um, Joe in the first, we did like three, three sessions, uh, at, uh, Ocala. And it was mainly just like foot pegs, handlebars, this, that, and the other. And it was just a ton of different, like little stuff, but I knew I, I was pr really confident, you know, with, uh, Joe right from the get go, like right from when I spoke to him first, I was really confident. We, we kind of like, we're on the same wavelength when we spoke. I feel like we kind of like maybe had some of the same career as like, you know, not specifically, but it was kind of a little bit harder, you know, like you say, it's a little bit harder for us. And, uh, I think as well that, you know, it gave me a lot of confidence even after the first test, just knowing that I had somebody that's won a championship before, you know, I think that was huge. And, you know, he was really, really good at the, all the, the clay tracks. And that's something that I was never really good at. So to have somebody kind of confident there, you know, to help me, but it was kind of weird because we didn't, he didn't really say much to me, you know, like in the first couple, he was just like, we just cut laps and it would, it would never, he would never really like come out and be like, Hey, you stink here. You suck here. It was just like, you know, hey, like, you know, I remember the first one, he was like, I'm riding it and keeping the wheels in line. And, and he's like, hey, man, like, you know, can you get the thing stepped out a little bit? And I was like, yeah, dude, we'll get stepped out. <laughs> oh, we can step he's like, out. Yeah, he goes, <laughs> he's like, dude, it's cool that you're in line and everything, but like, let's, let's flirt with it. Like, let's get it stepped out. Like, drop the hammer a little bit. I want to see what happens. I was like, all right. And it was just little things like, you know, that would trigger. But when I was going into Daytona, I felt really confident just knowing that I had a good team. I mean, honestly, the conversations I had with George were like, you know, we were on kind of different wavelengths. He was like trying to not be embarrassed with a Harley and kind of coming into new program. And I was like going in for wins. So like we were on two separate wavelengths. And I'm like, George, I'm going in, I'm podium, I'm this, I'm that, like that. But you know me, that's my mentality always. You know, I'm right. like fourth row backwards. I'm winning. I can do it. Like, <laughs> watch me around the outside. I'm coming. But 
you know, and I felt confident, but at the same time, I knew that I needed a, to learn a little bit more about dirt track. I mean, I only had what five, six races on the Harley. I mean, I never, I rode a twin at what X games and like one other time at Pennsylvania York. So I'm like kind of new, but the only good thing is, is I had a lot of experience with 600s and weight. So I knew power and I knew weight. So I was like, okay, if I could just manage it, it's not the end of the world. And the Harley felt more closer to all the framers I raced versus the DTX bike. I'm like a duck out of water. Like big time. Yeah. No, so. no, dude, that's good. I, I mean, I was, yeah, I was, I don't know. I, I just didn't know what your chemistry was like with Joe. I mean, it seemed like you guys worked really well together all year. And um, like you said, some of those days where you'd be a little off in the semi and then you'd come in and like we've talked about that we had a lot of these conversations after the uh, the race in Daytona, but letting the fans here is just like where you would come from a semi to you know you would turn it around for a main. Um, there'd be semis where I'd I'd beat you by a couple seconds, and then you guys would turn turn it around, turn the bike around for the main, and you'd whoop my ass by a couple seconds. So um, yeah, just I think actually what you said there about Joe being a good clay track rider, I didn't even think about that you know for your program just turning it around on the clay tracks and this year we only had clay tracks so um it seemed like there wasn't really anything else so yeah it, it worked out well for you um were there any big surprises in our class did anybody kind of do better than you thought worse than you thought um you know any any major surprises i think the big surprise is um 25 big dog ben um, yeah yeah ben lau ben ben yeah ben lau i think he was the, probably the <laughs> biggest surprise to me like i thought he i mean he's a decent rider he's really good and there's no disrespect i just like you, you've seen him struggle a little bit and then like he comes out and wins indy and then like season turns around he's now like kind of a contender we go to all these miles and his bike's kind of working all the miles. And then he kind of figured out the short or the, the, sh the half miles. And I was like, okay, like he's there, you know? And, um, I knew you'd be strong. I knew Varnes would be strong. To be honest, I thought Varnes was going to be the guy. I thought, you know, last year kind of being like ending a season so strong. Uh, I thought he was going to be like, you know, over the winter fire in the belly, let's go. I'm coming out to win. And then when he did it, race one at Volusia, I'm like, here's our guy. This is what we got to work with. And then you did it race two. And I'm like, okay, we got two guys that's what <laughs> we need to deal with. So like, that's, it was like, besides Ben, there was no like super surprise, but I think like, you know, I kind of liked when more people were in it. Like at Springfield, we saw Duffy, uh, when we saw, uh, you know, Chad, guys. Chad yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, I think to be honest, Chad was a bit of a surprise. I didn't think he'd get up to speed so quick on the Harley. I thought it would take him a little bit longer, to be honest. Um, you know, like I think it took him time, but like he could throw in a lap. I mean, the Chad co is special. Uh, <laughs> and you like at Volusia, he goes out like third qualifying session, never rode the bike. And he's like, our second qualifying is faster than me. And I'm like, dude, like what? Like you need to stop. <laughs> so I think that was a surprise to me, but at the same time, like, you know, not having all the time, I think it hurt him in the races because the Harley's a, a different breed. It's like a different beast, especially the XG. You got to ride it pretty different and where it's fast is way different than where the product, your production bikes are fast, you know, like the Japanese bikes. Um, right. yeah, so yeah. I, yeah. So I think that was a surprise, but 
to be honest, man, it was a battle. I think the whole season was a battle, even though like we extended the gap and that short amount of time. If you look at all the races besides that, it was an absolute battle. Besides those five wins, you look at everything else. It was a war zone. Like, you know what I mean? Like in all those wins are insanely the worst tracks that I thought I was going to do at. So it's like, that's the crazy part. All right, I got one for you, and I'm actually glad. I'm actually glad that Sammy isn't on for this one because I don't know if he'd be cool asking this or even bring it up. But I'm in a unique position where I can bring it up, and I don't have a dog in the fight or whatever. What were your thoughts on the Varnes protest that happened during the season? <laughs> did you think it was? Did dude, you think it was Corey? Like, what did you, did you know? It was Barnes? Like, what did you think yeah, of the protest overall? Yeah, they were glaring at me in the pits like they thought it was me for a minute. I'm like, it ain't me, dog. I didn't protest you, <laughs> dude. I think we can laugh about it now, but I mean during the time it was a bit you know obviously a little bit more like it was my first win so you can imagine the emotion i have and then just the thought of somebody trying to take that away from me um i was like listen you're gonna have to have a gun because you're not prying this trophy away from me i don't care if you (laughs) disqualify me like you didn't win so i don't care like what happens but at the same level like now i understand like i can i i get the scenario like dude like you know, if we just want to be real for a second, like 12 seconds is such a huge margin, you know, on like an indie mile or something like that. You can imagine, especially with our bike blowing up, Vance and Hines putting another engine in it, then we go out and win. It's like, yeah, yeah. all the, all the, all the, uh, the, 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 you know, the X's, the lines, whatever, they all lined up to big war, this, that, and the other. But if you really look at before the red flag, you could clearly see I don't have the fastest motorcycle. And when I raced Chad in the semi before he blew up, you could clearly see we didn't have the fastest motorcycle. So, like, it's on one way I, I knew we weren't cheating. So I was like, dude, this is bullshit. Whatever, man. Like, whatever. And originally I thought it, I did. We I thought it was you because I was like, it makes sense. You know what I mean? You're the closest <laughs> one in the championship. And then I'm, when I heard Barnes, I'm like. Like I say, I'm like, dude, didn't even get second. Like, what? Is he, why is? I'm like, what does he want? Sixth? Like, dude, what are you gonna get? One point? <laughs> so, I yeah. I mean, now I think we all laugh about it, but yeah, I, I think everybody was a little bit hot. But I mean, my guys were just reassuring to me, like, dude, it's fine. Every like, it's fine. But I don't know enough about motors. I don't know enough about it. Where I, I was like, you know, I'm standing there in my leathers, watching them tear this thing apart until I know I was safe was definitely kind of some pain yeah i got a i got a kind of a follow-up to that too and it, and it may be one that I'm, I'm asking you and Corey both uh for your perspective because you know everybody sees you guys every and everybody in the flat track community is friends right um and, and almost family to some extent right um but you guys you and Corey, i mean you were battling for the championship uh were there was there ever a point for either one of you where you were like Okay, friendship aside, like this guy, I'm going. Or was it every race like that for you guys? I like how, when you're in a championship battle like that. Do you, are you friends at all? Yeah, I, I listen, man. I tell everybody, I'm gonna race you like I'm gonna kill you. But as soon as I take my helmet off, dude, like I'm ready to have a beer. Like if you're ready for that, I'm ready for that. Like I don't hold, I don't hold the to the next level. You know, I don't hold like. If you take me out, yeah, I'm hot on the track, but at the same level, I get it. You saw the daylight, you take it. And it's sometimes, dude, you know, our you know, like our ambitions outweigh our talent. It happens, dude. That's racing. That's why we show up on Sunday or Saturday. That's why we race. And so I think maybe towards the middle of the year we didn't speak like as much to each other. 
but I don't think it was because of a friendship per se. I think it was just pressure on both sides. I think it was, listen, we got to go out there every week and one day I'm smashing him. The next day he's smashing me. And it's like, we're just going blow for blow. And it's like, dude. And you know, when I thought he'd give up, he didn't, when he thought he had the upper hand, we'd come back in the main and win. And it was like, you can imagine the emotional roller coaster we're both going through no matter what position you are, because like we all just want to win. And like the hardest part is knowing you have everything to win and losing. And both sides of it, Charlotte was a huge one, huge blow. Like, I'm like, this is a Harley track. I got this. And I was fast all day, ready for it. And then like in the semi in the main, bang, dude, I'm nowhere to be found. Just dropping like an anchor. So I don't think it has anything to do with like a friendship, but I definitely think it's hard to, it's hard for me. It's not hard for me to like, because I think maybe I've, you know, you know, we're older, like I'm 29. I've done a lot of the, you know, been pissed. I won a championship where I was so mad at second place that I was like an asshole that I told myself this year that no matter what happens, we just, you gotta be happy. You gotta move forward. You can't allow yourself to ruin all the relationships and, you know, cause that's not what dirt track's about, you know? So yeah, for me, it's not, it doesn't step over. I was all right with it, but I am a ruthless killer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there wasn't any point where I was mad at you. Uh, like you said, the pressure kind of builds up. And when I would do bad, I would blame myself. You know, I wouldn't blame, I wouldn't be mad at you. Where some guys kind of, some guys can handle racing their friends and some guys can't. Uh, I'll throw it out there right now. Ryan Varnes, he's one of my best friends. But when race season comes, we hardly talk at all. He can't, it doesn't seem like he can handle being friends and racing. There's guys that can handle it and guys can't. So, um, you know, for me, it's it's business related. And then when we get off the track, like you said, we're friends. Um, nothing that you did personality wise, you know, really. No, oh, I will actually I, I will say that Uh-oh. I I read something uh, over the year where you said I think it was an interview. You talked about Williams Grove, about Corey wallowing in his sorrows. And I was like, <laughs> dude, that was like, I'm like, you fat. He probably did uh, it just to piss you. He knew you'd see it and like it'd eat at you. I love it. it. Did, that one did a little bit. I was uh, like, man, I was like, all right, all right, all right. And then I was like, well, that's just James. It's just like, come you know, on. You got to let those go, man. Yeah, it's you guys are battling for a feel, championship. But, yeah. Yeah, that was fine. I, it was good. It was a good storyline, I guess. But no, nah, there was nothing really. I mean, uh, the more you beat me and the more you elevated my game, the more respect I had for you, to be honest. So it was, um, yeah, dude, you handled. I was a little worried about how you'd handle kind of like, you know, being a champion. And dude, you handled it better than I, anyone I could ever see. You know, anybody that, I, you know, it was great. You know, it was it was humble. And, you know, it was kind of the respect you showed me. I showed it back. And that's kind of all I all I ask for in a rivalry is just respect, and uh, I think it was mutual, man, and it was good. So it was fun to watch um, from a fan perspective. I'll tell you that. Yeah. So, real quick, I think some of my words that I use, I think it taken like for instance there, especially because I was getting beat so bad. I don't even know what the interview is. That's how like you know me. Sometimes my words kind of get away, and like I've I've had to like this year. I've, people have sent stories to me. And I'm like, dude, take this entire section out. And I'm like, what was I saying? <laughs> uh, because sometimes I go on a tangent and I'm sat there with my, like, I feel like somebody's like my friend and I kind of just start talking like, yeah, man, like blah, 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 bullshit, this guy, whatever. Like, you know, we're having a good time, you know? And dude, they write it and I'm like, 
dude, like, ugh, like that doesn't look good. Like that looks like I'm a complete asshole, but I'm not an asshole. Like there was times like I, I don't know if it was after Texas or where, where I saw a Facebook post and all I wanted to do was comment, come on, man. It's not over. Let's go, dude. <laughs> but I couldn't because obviously I'm on the other side. I'm like, if that's the last, if that's the little bit of glimmer he needs to beat me, I'm like, I'll never forgive myself. Even though I wanted it, I wanted you to like every race, race me like it was our last breath. But yeah, I know, dudes. I get that a lot. But I'm. It's. I think once they know me, understand. Maybe it's not. I don't ever try to hurt anybody. And I never try to say anything like disrespectful. You know what I mean? Like you talk about respect. I have a lot of respect for everybody. And I, I have a lot of respect racing you. And it might sound a little different, but definitely the respect level I have is pretty high. Yeah. I mean, I think the Atlanta race, the second day, I mean, obviously we both wanted to win, but fuck dude, we didn't hit each other one time. And there was plenty of moments to kind of go for the jugular. And it was just a really clean race. And I didn't win, but after that race, I'm like, all right, man, like, you know, I got a lot of respect for this guy. So it was, yeah, it was a good year. Yeah. There was definitely, um, definitely some stuff job moments in our class, but we both raced each other pretty clean. Um, and that was, that was cool, dude. It was a lot of fun. Um, obviously I didn't, I didn't win and you won. So that bums me out, but <laughs> it was good, dude. It was, it was a fun year. Um, you talked about Williams Grove a little bit. Was that kind of a turning? And we've talked about it too, you know, um, for me to, you know, fast qualify, win the semi, and then you turn around and you you beat me by three seconds in the main. Was that sort of the turning point in the season for you? Um, I mean, you had a big points lead early on, but at what point did you think, all right, you know, we pretty much, we have this lockdown, just don't make any mistakes? To be honest, uh, I Williams Grove was the in my number one first conversation with George Latis and Joe Cobb. Before I signed, I said the number one place we are gonna suck so bad is Williams Grove. I said we need to figure out, we need to do all of our testing for Williams Grove, and it's crazy what happened at Williams Grove because I could never believe it. I harped on Williams Grove. For every single race that, listen, we got to get ready for Williams Grove. We're going to suck at Williams Grove. Let's go. And it's the worst thing I did to myself. Luckily, Joe and my whole team, like, they're so good at keeping me, like, leveled, you know, like, super, like, positivity. Like, James, we're in such a different place than you were in last year. You learned a lot more. But, and then when we showed up at Williams Grove and we did the first practice and I'm just like, dude, we're racing for second. Like this sucks. I can't like, I'm dude. I like, I can't even stay with them. Like, I don't even understand. I don't get it. Like, I don't know, Joe, what, what do I have to do? I'm like, give me the magic dust here. And he's like, no, dude, just (laughs) relax. We're just going to keep getting our stuff a little bit better, a little bit better. It (laughs) Williams Grove. If it was like the qual, like the heat race and whatnot, like you would have smoked us. But somehow I just said, I have one shot at winning and I've got to just copy Briar. And it was, he made the top work. That's how he's won it the last three years or two years. And I'm like, I remember going up to him like, dude, like, how are you doing it? And he goes, listen, dude, you got one shot at winning this thing. You got to get it to the top. And then all his words were, you got to get it there. And like the first six laps in the main, I wasn't getting it there because you could see like we would just meet and meet and meet. And it took me like six, seven laps to figure out how deep I could go in. But the, the track is so weird that it really, it really hurt. But the confidence build on that win, 
was definitely it's crazy how mental it gets then because once you won that first day not only did you know you could win the second day but it kind of took a lot of wind out of my sails for the second day i'm like well shit we can't run the top like he can i hope it stays around the bottom and then when it started to move to the top the second day it was like shit like yeah it's just crazy how mental it is too with with that as well 100% 100% dude and I think we always talk about me and Joe we always talk about momentum we got to shift momentum and and it doesn't it's just like in life or anything like you give anybody the glimmer of hope I mean that's faith right this is faith like we talk about I mean and it's like the faith through the dark stuff through it could be business whatever but as an athlete you know like you see that little glimmer of hope and you're like it's there. As soon as you know it's there, then it's like, how do I get there? And if it depends how drive, motivated and how much drive you have to get there, there's always a way. And I think that was the momentum shift for me to go, oh, hold on. Like, I'm not just a cushion rider. I'm not just like, I can do this too. And it was just another little in my playbook. And what that did was know that I don't have to qualify and race the best. All I have to do is show up for the main. And if I show up for the main, I know it's not always going to be like that, but in this scenario, if I show up for the main, I can win. You know what I mean? And um, I think, like you say, there's a huge, I don't want to say momentum, but it was moment, yeah, like a momentum shift went towards me a little bit towards there. That I know that if you were leading, I knew that, all right, maybe it'll, I said Williams Grove. I know Williams Grove, I can, I beat him, I can do it again. So like that little bit, like you say. I love it. And it varies, you know, from rider to rider. I, I want to talk about just the machines themselves, though. Um, where do you think your bike was stronger or weaker, you know, versus like a Yamaha or a Kawasaki this season? It works good through the bumps because it's heavier. Like, it's a tank. Um, she's a big, big girl. She's a big, big and, bitch. Yeah. And so, when you st- when you, so when you take that motorcycle that's already overweight, you want you have a heavy flywheel. Then you've got yeah, another flywheel, and then you got a heavy rear wheel. I mean, it turns that motorcycle into that something that is just so big and heavy. At some tracks, it helps, but like the bottom at Williams Grove, the bottom at Atlanta, you can see that my bike can't do those things because it's too heavy. It can't accelerate, and it can't um, decelerate. But when the top comes in, the momentum, I truly believe the Harley is a uh, – it's like – it's like Daytona. Just I'll give you this is a super easy analogy for everybody listening. Daytona. You've got to go, I think, a minimum of fifty-five mile an hour before you fall off the banking. I think that's what it is. Right. So if you're driving a car and you're under fifty-five, you're slowly gonna be sliding down the banking. The slower you go, you're not it's just you can't stay up there. That's a Harley. Harley pretty much is that. It needs a certain mile an hour, a certain harmony to keep the wheels moving at a pace with the momentum to get enough grip to keep the motorcycle moving. So I think, you know, it's hard to say, but when we have momentum on our side, it's pretty hard to beat us. But when we don't have momentum on our side, it's very, we're at a very, very big disadvantage. So I think the corners, especially, because we didn't, we don't have great acceleration. We don't have great deceleration, but if we have momentum mid corner, generally that'll fall to the end of the straightaway. And it's kind of crazy. People can look back and see our races where we're kind of battling and stuff. Just the line choices, like you rode the Harley up high and I had to point and shoot the Yamaha because for me, it was the opposite. I couldn't really roll the corners on that bike. It just didn't like to 
it didn't like to be rolled. And I actually grew up as a kind of a rider who rolled the corners. You know, I didn't was never really a point and shoot guy, but you got to kind of adapt to what you have. And I think it's what made the racing in that class so good was, um, you know, the bikes were really competitive. And at some point in the year, it was like, man, I can't beat this freaking Harley. I can't beat it. And then it kind of just got to the point where, like, I just got to make those adjustments. So, like, watching film and setting the bike up different. And um, I didn't do that last year. And I kind of – I didn't really talk about this earlier. I wanted to bring it up. Like, last year I was kind of battling Colby kind of for a championship. And we didn't like each other. Um, his antics were – you know, he had a bad attitude a lot of the races. He had shitty antics. And that's something with you that was just different. Like, I was able to go after, go up to you and congratulate you. Like, you know, I was genuinely happy for you. Um where I wouldn't have been the same for somebody like that. I mean, it's just kind of, kind of how it is. But it made the racing really good, the different bikes, and um, and you wrote you fit that bike really well. I mean, if people talk about how good the Harley is in our class, and I'm like, yeah, but I'm always quick to point out, I'm like, dude, he rides the bike good too. Like, it's not just the Harley, you know, it's not just James. It's a combination of both. And um, so I, it was one of those things where you just had a good package and you rode the bike well. Um, transitioning over we got a few more questions for you um what are your thoughts on the the harley and the super twins class uh and maybe we can talk about harley shit all dog. the fans love it um what are they lacking in the super twins from hog spoley's perspective and um what could they do better you think i mean is it a rider thing is it a bike issue uh we we ask we like to get the nitty-gritty man so what what are your thoughts on that whole deal Listen, maybe you just call me Howard Spoley. Like, put me in coach. <laughs> Ricky Spoley. <laughs> no, dude. I, the hard part is for me, man, is that I don't really know what's going on in that team. Like, like you know, it's a hard thing. They kind of do their own thing. I know they had some different frames, different swing arms. I mean, from what I hear, they turned over like more rocks than, you know, we did last year and we turned over some serious rocks last year. Um, from my perspective and my motorcycle, you know, we were pretty, we were decent, you know, decent at most of the races. We look at data, but I don't, we don't race against Indians. So you can't really look at data. If you got to be a realist, you know, that data is only good to show a potential shoulda, woulda, coulda, but we all know shoulda, woulda, coulda, we can live and die by that. So for me, it's more like the production bike is a little easier to ride. Um, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's a horsepower thing or if it's electronics or if it's, I don't know exactly what it is. I know their, their updated frames didn't look very good from the outside. As far as on the track, it looked like everybody really struggled to ride them, especially Dalton middle of the year. You could see he was like when he got lapped, I think he was kind of, you know, his lowest point of the season. Um, I think they changed a few things and you saw him dig out, you know, and he started kind of seeing a glimmer of hope Dalton was the guy who won the first ever race on a Harley XG. Um, so, you know, it's not a Dalton issue, you know, it's a motorcycle issue. Uh, I think it had, I think it's just got a harmony, you know, kind of connection, you know, I think between the motor, the, uh, the motor chassis wheels, I think, I know that's so broad, but I don't think they have, the, they're not making their bike easy to ride. You know, everybody that says, you know, I've never rode an Indian, but everybody gets on one and goes, dude, it's just easy. It's easy. It just turns. It goes. It's slow. You can ride the shit out of it. It's like a 450, but a twin. Well, the Harley isn't like that on the Super Twin. The one Super Twin I rode last year on a test was like at Sacramento, and the thing spun the tire all the way until I rolled out of the roll out of gas. 
And I'm like, this is Sacramento mile. Like the dude, the thing has to like stop spinning. No, like grab another gear. We're going. So I think it has a lot to do with, you know, power, you know, I think power has a lot to do with it. I know they take a lot out this year, but I just don't know specifics on their team. I just know what we have, you know, our motorcycle. I think we can be decently competitive, um, at certain tracks, you know, we still have a lot to, lot to learn against an Indian racing. You know, I think we've never raced one. So it's a hard, it's hard one for me to answer because I've never rode that bike and I've never raced against one. I've only seen one once on track. So it's hard for me to speak on that when I ride one production bike, you know? Uh, one thing I wanted to kind of talk about and kind of get your two cents on uh, was a uh, rider count for this year. Obviously, you had the 18 locked in for the Super Twins, but, um, you know, some would say that, that, that the, and I would say a lot of people might say that the, the, the rider count was kind of low this year from Production Twins and even some, you know, singles events. Uh, what can you guys do to, uh, to grow that as riders yourselves? And, uh, you know, thoughts on the competition in your class this, this year? Yeah. So from my perspective, I think the rider count was low because last year, I think everybody thought they could ride a singles and a twin. I think they realized real quick that you can't do it. Like if you want to be competitive in one series, I think once they realized that really hindered us, I also think it hindered us when we started going to smaller tracks. I don't think people were wanted to ride a twin in production on a smaller track. And then I think third, I think next year the production twins gonna is really gonna bulk out. I don't. I think it's gonna be a flop. I think everyone's gonna go. Hey, one singles is so cutthroat. We can probably get away with if we're a decent rider riding a decent twin, a top five. Whereas you're barely making a main in the singles. I think that's a huge difference. The other thing is it's 18 years old to ride a production bike. I think that hinders a little bit of people, especially a little bit of a young crop. So. Um, I think next year you're going to see a bigger bulk in production. I really believe it. One, there's going to be more Harleys, but two, I think, Hey, you know, hopefully my story will show people that last year I was out of a $1,500 van sued the super van, you know, from nothing super broke. C-Tax let me use his Honda. Let me, gave me a bunch of parts and stuff like that. You know, I remember the first race I came to was a throwdown back and, you know, now I want a championship like that can happen all in 12 months, 14 months. Like it can happen if you want it. And it's, I think that'll help, uh, you know, push people from a singles to the production class. Yeah. I kind of got that question as well. And, uh, I think the production, the way it is right now, I don't know if it's a good or bad thing, but the top five guys are, are, are good riders. Like, um, then the bottom five, you know, it's like, uh, probably shouldn't <laughs> even be out there. So, uh, I think like the a decent pro rider, they like the idea of signing up for that class, making the main event, getting introduced in front of all the fans, getting their sponsors some attention, and possibly riding well enough to get a top ten. I think to podium the production twins, it's every bit as hard as the singles. I just think the the mid to you know last part of the main event, those riders, it's. Um, it's yeah, like you said, the singles a little, little bit more cutthroat from top to bottom, whereas production it was a little more sporadic. Um, and some guys just don't like riding twins. Some guys just feel like they're better singles riders. Um, there's been really good singles riders that ride a twin and they don't do shit, and vice versa. I mean, um, the twins guys just don't like riding singles. Varnes is one of them. You know, Ben Lau I would say is a better twins rider. Myself, I would say you you too. I mean, we're just there's some guys that ride the twins better. So. 
hopefully it gets more stacked because there's some really good talent at the top of the class that, you know, they deserve that credibility. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of, kind of how that plays out. Um, I got one more, well, two more questions for you, man. Um, and then we'll do our high low line, um, off season plans right now. You're in Amsterdam. We've talked about that. 2021 plans. Um, a lot of people have asked, they want to know what kind of what you're thinking. You probably don't know. And it's probably a stupid question. I'll probably get the, well, you know, we're looking at our options and uh, whatever, but <laughs> what, what, what are your plans? Don't give that answer. <laughs> Dude, listen, everybody wants a hogs bully on a hog. I mean, <laughs> that's just the end of the day. Like, it's pretty hard to build a, you know, a hogs bully, which I just need to set the record straight. Corey Texter gave me the nickname. What? And everybody needs to know that. I didn't he know did. that. He, he, he deserves the clout and the credibility for it. And uh, Do I get a shirt at least, dude, or what? Oh, thousand percent, dude. Thousand. A hat, shirt, whatever you want, dude. We'll slime you the whole nine. <laughs> dude. But um, I think... I think at the end of the day, listen, I've never been a uh, super twins rider. I've never been a GNC rider. I've never been a twins, real twins rider. I've only been a production guy. I've never earned my national number. And I went road racing when I was able to. And I was a pro singles production and production. So I personally don't want to stay down just purely because I've never moved up. I can't die tomorrow knowing that I've accomplished every goal saying that I, you know, that I've actually gave it a shot. Cause I've never even tried it. I'll be, a, you know, I'm going to be a rookie, which is insane. And so personal goals is I have to move up. I gotta go. Is that going to be on a Harley? I hope so. You know, myself and George latest, we have a, a phenomenal, phenomenal, uh, deal this year. Um, you know, Harley wants to continue to see me on a Harley, George, they would like to see me, but it's nothing done. And it's, it costs a lot more money to run that program. And it costs a lot in development, the factory team. We don't know what's happening with the factory team. You know what I mean? Like they're on a yearly basis, you know, got to get budgets and whatnot. We know that, um, Dalton's got a, another year. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I don't know exactly the details on Brian and Howerton, but that team's, you know, on a yearly budget with, uh, with Harley, I think. So, you know, it's, we don't quite know exactly how everything's going to work, but I'd like to move up. Do we know the Harley can't win at the moment? Yeah, we know it can't win yet. <laughs> and it, does it suck? 1000% dude. But I, I tell everybody that, if we have two seasons next year in 2021, we have an off season that is more excruciating than the season. There, that glimmer of hope, that little bit of white light could just be there that we might be able to be competitive enough to to get consistent top fives and be the thorn in the side for the podium. That could be there, and that is a realistic goal if we get our fucking shit together. <laughs> <laughs> that was I mean, the best answer you can get. I love it. I love that. That was answer. more than I thought I was gonna get. I, I love, love it. it. Um, Absolutely. And I will say, I think with some riders, um, it depends on the personality. But some riders are easily deflated um, if they don't have a good result on the bike. You know, a couple good results, they sort of they sort of lose confidence in their bike, lose confidence in their team, lose confidence in their in themselves. Um, and you see that a lot with young riders that move up and. You know, a lot of these kids, they, they'd rather, 
ride their groms, go partying, you know, do this, do that. And then you have the older guys that when they don't do well, they're just, ah, shit, you know, the bike sucks. It is what it is. But you have guys like yourself, you have guys like JD Beach, um, that you're so invested in this sport and that's all you want to do is, is be competitive and win races. You don't get deflated. Um, JD doesn't get deflated. There's guys that will have some bad races developing a bike where they'll sort of deflate themselves and sort of throw up the white flag and just sort of make the motions of being there. But I will say, I think if you moved up and you were on a Harley in that class, um, I think you would do really well just because you won't, you won't get easily deflated. Um, and it's not kind of with JD and the Yamaha, you know, he's, he might be in 12, but he's riding the shit out of that thing in 12th place. So, um, you know, it's one of those things that I have a lot of respect for with riders that always give it max effort during the week, during the weekend. And that's something that is just, um, yeah, it's honorable for you. Um, that's kind of your personality. And I've always kind of had a lot of respect for that. Well, I appreciate that. And I got to tell you, that's not, I've always kind of had the grit, I would say, just because, Dude, like growing up, I wasn't, I mean, I know you know this, like, you know, this, this, uh, hands down, like wasn't the golden guy, like wasn't the guy to get all the factory rides, get this, move up the pipeline for whatever reason. And I'm not harping on it, but you kind of learn that as like David Goggins would say, you kind of, if you endure it, you just peel the onion back, you get stronger and stronger and stronger. And I will tell you that the number one thing that helped me was going overseas and being at the lowest, like the bottom. I went from two championships over there to like people going, get out of here, dude, and getting smoked. And I grit my teeth there. And then I think the final thing that really helped me kind of get determined was, you know, going broke, like being broke, dude, you're helpless. Like there is only one thing you can do is dig out or die. So it's like, and especially in our sport, because people don't, you don't, you can't be broke. Like you can't be broke. Like it's just, this sport doesn't run off of being broke. So either you have your reputation and I kind of, I played my entire credentials all last year of all the friends and everything I ever had. And I asked for help as every, you know, you know, dude, I would ask for help left, right and center and pretty much sold my reputation to go, dude, I got to get there. And then hopefully I can start paying these people back. Not, and it's not just financials. It's just a place to sleep, a motorcycle, a ride to the track. Cause I didn't have a van, a motorbike, this, that, the other, it's just all of it. So I think that was the final step that kind of let me go. Hey dude, if you really want to do it, you can't dig yourself into this huge hole when you lose you got to just get on your bicycle, get wherever you need to go and just grind it out and use that. I still use me losing to Brad Baker at Springfield short track and high setting over the back of him, losing the championship as the single best motivation I've ever had in my life. And whenever I can't find it, I just go to Brad Baker and I love the guy and we're some good friends now, but I go straight to him and go, you know what motherfucker? Like, like I'm, I'm coming. Like, so we all have it we all got to dig deep but yeah I, I i appreciate you saying that that's cool and hopefully the youth can you know use maybe this as like you know that's what i try to instill in like max whale and i know briar does it and i know you do it like we got to tell these kids like you got to dig 
Yeah. Yeah. Just effort, man. I mean, I, like you said, I think we're cut from the same cloth. Hell, I wasn't even the top rider in my own house. I mean, my first <laughs> pro race, my dad didn't even go to it because he was at Shana's amateur race. Like I, <laughs> yeah, dude, I, it's been a grind for me too. And that's, I, maybe that's why I have a lot of respect for you, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of funny how that all works full circle. And, um, you know, I've been cycling and, um, training. I, I don't really take any time off and people are giving me shit. They're like, Oh, take some time off. I'm like, dude, I'm not good enough to take time off. Like I'm not, I don't have the talent that you have. I don't have the ability to just not do shit for months, hop on a bike and win a race. Like some guys have to stay, have to stay after it. Like I can't take time off. I suck. Like if I, I got to work hard to, um, to, to do it worth a shit. Like I have to put in all that effort or else I wouldn't be anything. So, um, yeah. So yeah, it's, um, that was good, man. It was a great interview. I, we want to do our high low line. We got a couple really good ones at Sammy Sabedger. He couldn't be on the show, dude. He's getting a root canal. So um, it made him throw in some higher low line questions for you. Um, so there's some pretty good ones. We'll get started on it. What do I do? Am I, is it like rapid fire? Oh, yeah, man. Uh, so you pick, you pick one or the other, like this or that, and give us an explanation on uh, why you picked that. Okay. All right. First one. British. Okay. Would you rather win a British Superbike Championship or an AFT Super Twins Championship? Oh, dude, that's a hard one. Both, but I, I don't know. I, to be honest, I'm torn. I'm torn. Like, I'd British Superbike was a huge goal of mine. You know, it was it was something I dreamed of to be an international champion and be like the first American to do it. Like nobody's an American's never done it. So I think maybe that because Americans are just flooded in super twins. So I would say British super bike. But I think goals change. That's a good thing. Um, all right. The next one. New England Patriots or Tampa Bay Bucks? Ugh, I knew this one was coming. Yeah, <laughs> dude, I got to I got to stay true, dude. New England Patriots. I'm a New Englander, but you know, touchdown Tommy's doing a few great things right now, but I'm a New England guy. Gronk. Dude, it's insane what he's doing down there. If there's one guy I could drink with and like go out like with, oh. it'd be Gronk for sure. Oh. Dude, when he was with Monster, he was an animal. He still is with Monster. He's an animal. An animal. I think I think Brady's like bringing back the Avengers. He's bringing them all together. It's going to be insane what they're doing. Yeah. Dude, gates coming back to Tampa. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Ride a road bike all day with one pedal missing. Or ride a motorbike all day with one foot peg missing. Oh, motorbike all day. I you wouldn't do the one pedal, dude? Dude, on the I, bicycle? I, I, dude, no, zero. I know chance. somebody My, who. I know somebody who did that. I bet you can guess who it is. Who would pull off the? Whose pedal would fall off mid ride, and they would keep riding? Either Noah or Chad. Chad Coast, baby. <laughs> his pedal kept falling off, and he kept it like stripped out, and he just like would like yank his foot into the hole and just pedal with it, not Jeez. like engaged in the pedal. So, dude, that's uh, insane. That yeah, is, that's... one one foot peg missing would suck, but that ass, dude, tough. it's horrible. It's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. All right, um, next one. You have to erase one thing off the New England menu forever. Boston cream pie or New England clam chowder? One thousand percent New England clam chowder. Yeah, I'm not a clam chowder fan, but I'm a Boston cream guy all day, dude. We go to Dunkin'. American runs on Dunk. We we live it. We love it. Sure they guy. do. They love their you know Dunkin'. Yeah. How's your mother? Yeah, oh yeah. They love their Dunkin'. <laughs> dude, dude. Oh yeah. 
it's funny. Uh, all right, you're picking one number, man, for the rest of your life. 71 or 43? 43, dude. 4 plus 3 is 7. 4 minus 3 is 1. I like Let's it. Let's go. I like Ooh. it. I like that. I like that. All right, uh, we're, we're sticking with the New England theme here. Uh, best motorcycle product from New England, Vanson Leathers or Spectro Oil? Whoa, dude, that's a big one. I mean, I'm a Vanson guy, dude. I had that cowhide on when I was young, dude. Like, we had custom leathers. I mean, you know Vanson's, dude. That's a, that's a cowhide. But they were the first kind of, like, cool leathers you could get, and everybody was on it. I would say we got to stick with Vanson leathers. All right. Final one for you, man. This might be the toughest one we have for you. <laughs> Orlando MX. 30 minutes plus two. Who are you picking? Chambers or Meese? Oh, <laughs> dude, dude! But do we have the whole crew there waving towels? The whole crew Everybody's is on there. the fence line. <laughs> Listen, dude, is scenario is tough because you know Meese comes out with a completely Meese comes out with like a Geico Honda, and Chambers is on like a stock two fifty. I don't even know if it's fair, but. <laughs> Listen, I think 30 plus two, if Chambers has five, six fireballs, I'm going to go Mies. But if Chambers doesn't the night before, I'm, I think I got money on my man Chambers. Chambers is the biggest sleeper when it comes to fitness I've ever seen. He's got a full-on dad bod, and the guy can just ride for hours. So when when like I put the 30 plus two, I'm like, well, Mies is in really good shape. And I'm like, well... Chambers is just like a specimen. Like he really just gets it done. Here's the thing, dude. Here's the thing. Mies, you know, is gonna max out a lap time, right? He's he's got a lap time he's gonna max out of, and he's gonna hold that lap time for thirty plus two because he's already calculated it nineteen thousand times in his head <laughs> of where he's gonna do and how what his pace and threshold is by his you know polar, and he's gonna be checking that thing every single lap to the sand whoops. Spot now on. Noah. Now, Noah is just, he's like you said, he's going to look at that lap time and he's going to go into this red zone that nobody's ever seen and probably have a camel pack <laughs> full of landies on him. <laughs> and it'll probably make his arms a little bit more numb and just throw a big fat whip look back. But I, I just think if the real pressure came to it, Noah's just going to, he's going to want it. You know, as Noah would say, <laughs> he's just going to get rowdy. <laughs> <laughs> dude i'll never forget that battle it was the best battle of the year and no one's seen it well dude, we did video but... dude i was there dude that was dude dude that was that that was the shot of the title was you that, gotta send it? me that vid we're gonna post it on the on the page was on that the, the one he page. said that uh Mies was looking like a ninja turtle when he was riding yeah yeah he's riding oh. like a ninja turtle <laughs> dude, he was in it dude Mies was literally he, you could see like his you know how when we used to use uh, like the Alpine Stars undersuit, like on you know we used to be like huge, like yeah, you know what I mean like the, the yeah football like the, pads. Uh, yeah, and I think it was um Lee, was it Leah? Who was the guy? Uh, EVS, EVS. You know the huge one that I used to wear. The yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, Mies was so just built with just you know what I mean, pump that he just looked like he was wearing an undersuit because he just <laughs> wanted it, dude. Everybody he, got off he, the track and just watched the battle. That dude, had was, to be epic. It was, 
it was insane. I, I mean, I'm just getting fired up. I just literally, I'm standing in my room right now, just throwing air punches because I am <laughs> that fired up in a power stand. It needs to be an annual event for sure. We need to oh. recreate, oh, recreate yeah, that next year. Get that, get that going. Yeah, I, oh, I, I saw, it. I saw Chambers, and he was an animal at the that 580 run last year. Man, he was telling yeah, you dude, guys most of the day. He's in pretty good shape. He was for having a dad bod, bro. Yeah. He's not bad at insane. all. Gets it on. I couldn't believe. Chad Chambers, JV, all people who don't ride bicycles, who like ride bicycles like 30 miles once in a year, yeah. like no disrespect, all finished. And, and they like, and they drank every night. Too. It was um, I saw them drink every oh. night too. Like dude, and there's one video that I'm putting together before we do uh, this this year's. It was because uh, I don't know if you remember it, Raspoli, but I called you. You were overseas, and these guys were yeah. down in the fucking dumps. They were so distraught. Oh yeah, he, you goggled the, it, dude. For us. It, it, yeah. He did. I was like, I need you to send me a video, James. I need you to hype these boys up, and he did. And I put it on the with the 360 cam, and I recorded it. The Footage is epic. You're gonna love it, Raspoli. Dude, I can't wait. I cannot wait because I remember I was like, I was in, um, I was in the UK yeah. um, filming Fast Nine with my buddy, and I'm like, dude, and dude, the funniest thing is we're out there and I'm Fast Nine. We got called in to do like three weeks, right? Yeah, dude, like eight days of it, we were just sleeping because it was so cold in the truck, and we used to have, like, this blanket, and I'm like, bro, I gotta sit there, we need to fire each other up, because I gotta do this video, my boys <laughs> that I just bailed on are dying yeah. in the 580, and I gotta I gotta get them riled it's up. It's perfect, dude, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put some, like, motivational music behind, it's gonna be a Goggins moment for sure. I forgot you're, about that, you're gonna that did, it. dude, that helped out a lot. It yeah, did. Yeah, got us fired up. Dude, it did, the whole day was, like, on cloud nine after that, dude, and they were, you'll see it, dude, I, got, I took 360 video, and you you can watch everybody's reaction. Everybody's like dead when it starts, and by the end, they're all laughing and high fiving and like they hop. Dude, it was awesome. It was awesome. Dude, that's yeah. who I am. I'm a hype. I'm a hype man, dude. That's you who are. I am. Woo! Like, just, dude, I, there's a the video they AFT sent me of uh one is the one that I think Thunder made. One is the, the amount of woos that I did over the year, and two. I'm going to post it probably later this week or next week. Watch it. How many high fives Joe cops give me. And I think I have a serious shoulder issue because he would zone in like from a mile away with this high five and you can just see my arm. Cause you know, it's dead and it just stops. It's just <laughs> done, dude. And, dude, the recoil was just, dude, I'm surprised I still have his shoulder, dude. I told him, I'm like, dude, I told him after one race, I'm like, dude, like that hurts. And he's like, I know. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> oh, I love it, man, dude. Thanks for coming on. It was a lot of fun. And uh, I think everyone's going to really enjoy it and taking time from your, your honeymoon with your chick over in Amsterdam and, just talking with everybody, man. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. It was really good times. No, I love it, dude. Thanks for having me on, both of you. I, dude, I love this show. I love how kind of candid it is, and people. I think because you have you've been friends with everybody most of your, you know your whole life. I think it's a little bit like laid back. You know, nobody comes on here like you know other ones, and they're like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, no, like diplomatic and political. They're kind of just <laughs> like yeah dude i sucked or yeah you know that was kind of a shitty thing you did <laughs> but it's all good i love it i thought it was really fun thanks all right man well take it easy over there and we'll catch up with you soon bro have fun thank you catch you on the flip side <laughs> later man hog spoily <laughs> what a guy i didn't even know you came up with that dude that was you oh yeah yeah I man he rolled up to uh 
Paris last year, his first time on the bike. And uh, I actually kind of helped him with the ride a bit too, a little bit. Nice. Uh, Terry Reimer actually asked me to ride the bike and I didn't want to leave the, um, the G and G guys. We just won the first race on it. So I was like, man, I can't do it, Terry. I love you, man. It'd be fun. But you know, what about, he, you know, what about Rispoli? And, <laughs> and then James got the hog ride and he rolled up to the first practice and I just, it came to me, dude. Just, I don't know. It's like <laughs> hog Spoli, dude. What's up? Well, hog, tra- actually, I growled it. I was like, hog Spoli. And he like looked at me kind of confused. Yeah. And then it just took off from there, man. It, it became was, a thing. Yeah. If he trades marks it, he probably owes you like a cut of that maybe, huh? That's what I said in his fucking documentary I did for him yeah. uh, at Daytona. I, you know, I took some time and did his, he's doing a doc, a doc Spoli. And I was like, you know, all I care about is this royalty that I'm getting from the Hawks bowling nickname. I mean, I see it on merch, hats, tees. I haven't got a fucking cut yet. Not even a 5% cut. At least um, a tee or a hat, right? Like sling a tee or yeah. a hat. Anyway. I got you. Oh, yeah. He said he'd give me a tee. So yeah. I guess eh, I guess we'll <laughs> hold off on the lawyers and all that shit on the trademark and uh, file. That, you know, he's going to give me a tee. That's that's a good trade-off. I might talk him into a case of Landshark and a tee. I love um, it. I saw some of the championship checks he got on stage. I think he can give me a fucking sure. Why not? Yeah, no, it's a as a fan, dude. It was it was awesome watching you guys go back and forth, and even cooler like listening to y'all banter back and forth during the interview. Um, Really cool to hear like the inside of of the year, um, how you guys battled, and and, you know at times might not have been chatting as as best friends as as you are, but you're still uh, still boys at the in the end, and uh, the just watching the podium stuff, you know, you handing off that one plate, it was really cool as a fan to watch too. Um, so cool to have him on. Awesome to hear that, those stories. And, uh, we didn't even hit on it, but he, on the, on the social and on the content front, I think he did a lot of cool things this year too with, uh, with Graham and, and, and Harley. So, um, look forward to always seeing his content and what he's doing, uh, in the future and next year in 2021. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and like I said to James, we were kind of cut from the same cloth a bit. I mean, a lot of the things he said, it's stuff that I deal with. You know, yep. I I was never born with that, you know, that extra talent. And, you know, I had to, you know, I'm 33, and I think I'm getting better every year, you know, just working, outworking people. trying, And that's like going up for a championship against James was tough, man, because we're the same kind of person. Like, it's hard to outwork. I mean, I feel like I work really hard, and I know he was too, so – He's watching film. He does track maps. He does a lot of the shit that I do, man. And so it's it's like iron sh- iron sharpens iron. It's yeah. like he made me so much better this year. Losing that title might have been the best thing that ever happened to me because it really elevated my game. Trying to beat him and beat that Harley and beat Joe Cop and um, you know it, it helped me elevate my game. And I told him after the race, I'm super appreciative. He didn't try to do it, but I'm super appreciative of uh, of that kind of battle this year it just yeah. made me a better rider so um and then looking at our lap times compared to the super twins we kept getting higher and higher up on the on the charts in the super twins class i mean there was a couple of races where we were top three and i was i think i had fastest time in atlanta and daytona we were set i was second overall so definitely iron sharpens iron and um yeah it was just cool to have him on the show he's a funny guy man uh and uh, yeah a lot a lot of good insight but that's all we got on this show. Um, no sneaky Sam. Like you said, he sneaked off for the weekend. He did. We he... got a lot of big things planned, though, Carter, coming up. We got a lot of really legendary guests that are going to kind of shock the world a bit. Dude, um, some of these names that you're throwing out, I'm just like double, triple take. I'm like, what? What? And then you say you're secured. I'm like, okay. All right. We're yeah. going to have some fun here in the next month. And uh, I think the people are going to 
definitely be entertained with the list of, of folks that we have coming on. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll have Sammy back next episode, hopefully after his uh, root canal, all that finishes up. Um, and yeah, man, looking forward to it for sure. And on top of all this, what you're still planning that, that winter throwdown where Spoley brought it up, uh, talked about it a little bit. You got some big news on that front. I don't know if we even want to get into all that, but some, well, I just, yeah, winter throwdown. I'm going to plug it every show, baby, free Do advertising, it. but yeah, why not? uh, Indian motorcycle, actually, yeah. uh, Gary Gray, I, cornered him at the wedding and i was like you know might have a few drinks in i'm like hey man winter <laughs> throwdown what can you do yeah i want to get ftr 750s out on that short track and um he threw 2500 dollars in to the winner of the open pro class if they're on an indian ftr nice. actually it don't even have to be an ftr it's just an indian um so if you ride an indian you win open pro it's a 2500 dollar bonus on top of everything else we're doing you could walk out of there with five or six thousand dollars probably uh that's the, that's the hope you know if, if all the sponsorships go according to plan um we've got a roof systems sponsored randy texter memorial two thousand dollar dash for cash for the pro riders we have a john reed memorial dash for cash for the amateurs um live stream social media content just so much cool stuff planned for that race january 8th we have the open practice and then January 9th is the uh, third annual event, the Winter Throwdown. A lot of sponsors stepping up, uh, and yeah, I'm just pumped for it. I, I put a lot of time and effort into this into this race, and it's my baby. So any questions, hit me up. I really try to make it a fun experience for people. You know, you go to a lot of races, and everyone's grumpy and yelling at you where to go, and we really have fun at our race. Everybody's cordial. You know, if you have any questions, you won't get yelled at. Just come to me and we have a good time and try to get you guys as many laps as possible. You know, great prizes, great coverage, great exposure, things like that. So, um, yeah, looking forward to that event. Want to make sure we shout out our sponsors that make the show happen week in and week out. Bell Power Sports. Check out bellhelmets.com to view their full line of products. Dunlop Tire. To find your nearest dealer, hit up dunlopmotorcycletires.com. And then Roof Systems of uh, Dallas, Texas, Jerry Stinchfield makes our sport happen all around the world, different avenues, venues, things like that. Jerry, we appreciate you. CommercialRoofSystems.net. Make sure you uh, send Jerry a thank you. And, yeah, we appreciate him as well. Um, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, hit us up, subscribe. Keep, keep it going. Give us a review, all that good shit. I think that's all we got, Carter. I think that's it, dude. Yeah. It's a wrap. We'll <laughs> see you guys next week. Peace. Uh, later.